ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. That right there is the sound of runners finishing a 100-kilometre event in the desert. These athletes are built differently for an event that is very different. It's arguably the most remote ultramarathon in Australia. And how's this? The so-called race doesn't even have a winner. That's not what this event is about. Today, we're asking what drives people to contest an unwinnable ultramarathon in the desert. In a landscape filled with racism scandals, sports washing controversy and pay disputes, this is a different kind of sports story. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Dan Prosser is a journalist based out of far western Queensland for the ABC. He's also a runner and a pretty good one. He has run in this event the last three years, though he only, inverted commas, ran the 25k version this year. Dan, can you start by telling us where this race takes place? Well, it takes place in the Mungathiri Simpson Desert. To be exact, about 20 or 30 k's outside of Birdsville in very far western Queensland. We're talking right on the border, basically, of of South Australia and um, out towards the border of the Northern Territory. So pretty remote, I would say. As I touched on, you you run the 25-kilometre version of this race this uh, year. What are the different incarnations that competitors can take on? Well, the uh, the entry level is 25k, so that's for the uh, for the rookies and for the people looking to not um, necessarily spend a night out in the desert. I did the 25 kilometres last year and then decided I'd like to come back and try the dusk and the dawn, see the full moon rising. This one, you run 25k at about six o'clock Saturday night, and then you finish that, go to sleep if you can, wake up at 6am on Sunday morning and join with everyone for the 25k. And then for the uh, particularly fiendish people, there's the 75K and the, uh, the ultimate, which is the 100-kilometre race, which is pretty spectacular, can take up to 24 hours. You start on Saturday afternoon, and then, yeah, you run all through the night. Thankfully, it always is underneath a full moon, and this year it was beaming, so uh, I heard some people weren't using their headlights as much. And then right through the morning, you join up with all the 25K runners and the like and uh, finish strong around midday Sunday afternoon. We're seeing more and more ultra marathons across Australia and across the globe. It's a sort of a subset of running that is exploding. What makes this event in far western Queensland so special? Well, there's a handful of desert marathons and ultra marathons out there, that's for sure. I know the Northern Territory probably punches well above its weight for this. But in particular, what to me makes this one really special is just how off the grid it feels. There's basically no trails. There's the odd occasion you might end up on some kind of track, maybe if a a four-wheel drive has been out there. But really, it's just as remote as it gets. You're running from little reflective marker to little reflective marker. Those things can sometimes disappear very easily. There's been times at night in previous years uh, when I've previously tried and failed the 100 kilometer um, where you lose sight of these little markers every 20 meters and suddenly uh, you feel like you are completely lost and alone, you know, tens of kilometers away from the nearest person. I'm going to bag the, 20, the first 25Ks as quick as possible and then I can hike during the night because I'm really bad at, at uh, you know, ori- orientation and stuff like that. So, yeah, feeling good now. Uh, it's that feeling of really feeling like you're, you're a pioneer, you're on the frontier, just traipsing your way through the desert. 
in this scene of remoteness, what kind of conditions are competitors facing? Tell us about, you know, temperature, terrain, wildlife, break it down for us. Everyone thinks of the sand dunes, rightfully so. They are the heroes of the desert. We're talking dozens and dozens of sand, sand dune crossings if you're in the 100K, which is the easy way out. Basically, you're just running up and over these sand dunes, which can vary from you know 10 meters high to up to 40 meters high. But that's fine. The real punishment is if you have to run along a sand dune, that can just take, uh, you can end up walking those stretches pretty much because it's just too much soft sand to possibly cross. Um, that can just take for ages just to get a kilometre done. Uh, aside from that, you've got the Rocky Gibber Plain, which makes up another really large portion of the track. And we've traded the sand back for the Rocky Gibber Plains, which is just kilometres and kilometres of this really uneven shaped tripping hazard rocks. Woo! Sand blasted, wind blasted desert rocks that are quite uneven and very, very unforgiving on your joints, especially if you've been out about on them for hours and hours before. Along with those, you've got some really big rocks out there which you can find yourself tripping on and the like, which uh, can be quite dangerous, especially again at night. And the other particular terrain, it's, it's not spoken of as much, but to me, I consider it to be the most dangerous. Uh, it's this sort of clay panny, cow paddocky, very, very dry, very prone to almost cave-ins, I suppose, if you put your foot in the wrong place and suddenly your, your knee is like, you know, a meter underground or, or 30 centimeters underground sort of thing. So sometimes in a cold year, last year, for example, it was a cold year. It had rained the days before. We were very lucky to even get to the race. It's that remote, let alone run around out there in the terrain, which had been completely changed. The sand was much heavier. That was cold. People had to wear all their thermals. And I had a mate who bonked at the 67 kilometer mark and he basically was in there in his space suit, the hypothermic jacket, you know, to basically get out of that. This year it was boiling. Well, it was very hot, I should say. It was over 30 degrees. It was absolutely stinging. You felt it when you saw the 24 hour runners at 2 p.m. on Sunday and you just felt so sorry for them because they were just right there in the heat of the middle of the day. It can be quite intense, that's for sure. So we've got the what covered. Let's dig into the wires. I suspect it kind of varies person to person. What's motivating these various competitors to take on 24 hours of running in some cases? Well, that was the whole point of my trip out there this year for the ABC. It was to find out why people are possessed to do this to themselves. That's a good question. <laughs> Probably a bit crazy. I don't know. Because I know firsthand that it can get really unpleasant. It can get downright not fun, not enjoyable, painful. And, you know, you're paying to do this. No one's forcing you to do it. You're doing it by choice. Essentially, the, the reasons I can narrow it down to uh, is one, it's the escalating challenge. And this is why I think Ultra is expanding year on year here in Australia. People do a half marathon. They go, yes, awesome. All right, the bucket list is the marathon. Once you've done the marathon, you're like, oh, that was great. But, you know, suddenly you look around, oh, everyone's doing a marathon. Because not many people can say they've done an ultra marathon or 25K, 50K and this visit. So it's pretty cool. You go to 50, you go to 100. And then next thing you know, you're doing the, the milers, as they're called, which is um, 160Ks or 100 miles up to the 200 milers. And, and I've been hearing more and more recently that the runs have been going into infinite numbers with the Backyard Ultra, where you just run until you're the last person standing. It's, it's that fiendish kind of uh, endeavour there. No reason, just thick, glutton for punishment. <laughs> but the other thing I find people do, it brings together a really quirky group of people, a really interesting 
um, fun to be around, easygoing, and um, and you know really happy to chat and um, be a bit vulnerable and authentic. The Simpsons is just something special. It brings me out year after year, and such an amazing community that we've got out here with the running crew. It's um, yeah something to behold. Those kinds of people that are drawn to an experience, an adventure, something they can share with a big community of people, or in, in fact, a small community of people really intimately. The friendships you can form are just special. And for me, that's what's kept me going back. There's probably a hundred odd people that do it each year, just over a hundred. And I feel like I've got a very good friendship and connection with probably most of them. So you're talking about emotional bonds. You're talking about pursuits under the stars in remote places. It feels almost an emotional or spiritual experience as much as a sporting pursuit. And I find it interesting that there's no winner. What does that tell us? (laughs) I think that's probably one of the draws for this as well. It's purely saying, hey, you're coming out here. Everyone else is coming out here for the experience. They're coming out here for the desert. Just to discover this landscape because it's amazing. And as said, Andrew, we had the opportunity. So I was like, mm, should I do it or not? It's two days of driving. <laughs> and finally, yes, just uh, I don't regret. Or for the community. It's amazing that in all the years I've been there, the topic of a winner hasn't even been broached. No one even cares, really. One of my mates this year did the 25 and he, was, he probably did it the fastest, but I only knew that because I know him. No one else would probably have known or cared. It's something really special that uh, people are just drawn out there knowing that it's to share in that, in the suffer and in the, in the experience and the like, because you can really, you're emotionally compromised a lot of the time because you're so tired. I've been as angry and dark as I've ever been um, out there last year during the 100K. And then with the flick of a switch, maybe a red frog and uh, some flat soda or, or soft drink, suddenly you're, you're cheering, you're laughing, you're running along and you're, you're finishing off strong. So it's kind of hard to describe, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, people are out there for the experience, not for the prizes. You've failed at this event. You've completed this event. You've reported on this event. <laughs> what do you find that you've taken away from it across your various sort of incarnations? And are you going to go back? I'm 100% going back next year. I'm tackling the 100K again. As I mentioned, it got pretty dark last year for me there because I was, you know, maybe 10Ks from finishing and it was, you know, starting to get a bit warm and I had pretty much thrown in the towel. For me, uh, what keeps drawing me back and the main thing that I really love from these ultras is that it's completely different every time and you just don't know what you're going to feel or or know what you're going to see or do out there. It is a chance in our pretty comfortable lives to go somewhere remote to do something off the grid to do something a little bit arduous and and whatnot super experience i love it it's great i love it and tough as well i have to say that it's really tough the chance to really sort of connect with that feeling of being challenged and maybe being down on yourself and the euphoria as well of completing it and then seeing people that you care about going through the same thing, completing it as well. It's, that's, that's my main draw. Thanks, guys. I'm excited. I want to go out there again next week. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Dan Prosser, thanks so much for breaking it down for us. We appreciate it. No worries at all. Headlines. Anytime an athlete calls for tolerance or restraint, you feel like success might be a while away. So Nick Kyrgios fans might be in for a lean grass court season after he called for supporters to be calm after the Aussie was beaten by China's Yibing Wu in straight sets of the first round at Stuttgart. The 2022 Wimbledon finalist tweeted, Be patient with me. It's a process to get back to where I was. Wimbledon is a month away.
Golf and PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan has stood down from his position as he recovers from an undisclosed medical condition. Monaghan has been under intense scrutiny after he brokered a piece with the Saudi Public Investment Fund, the clout behind Live Golf. And Netball Australia is involved in another spat with its players. They're insisting athletes sign a new collective player agreement before the Diamond Squad can be named for the World Cup. It's got to make it a little tricky for coach Stacey Marinkovic to prepare her squad if she's not allowed to actually name it. We asked Netball Australia for comment, but they failed to respond before publishing deadline. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.